You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast. Yeah, we're still here. We told you we weren't leaving for hoops. We will be, again, as I mentioned, Jeremy here, sporadically throughout the offseason because when there's news, we'll get to it. But we're not doing news today. We're doing some fun stuff. We got myself. Andy's here as well. Say hello to people, Andy. Hello. Hey, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know, right on cue. Exactly. MWWire.com is our website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I get around to it and do a couple of Instagram stories from sharing from other places. So check that <laughs> check that out. But also, we have a – I should have put this on Twitter, Eli, but I did not. But our buddy Eli Bedker is joining us as well to talk. What are we talking about, Eli? Random proposal for bas- basketball rules and grill you on a couple of Mountain West stuff? Yeah, of course. That's, that's kind of how we do it, right? And we usually mix in some food takes in the past. We said that's traditionally what we've done, so I don't know if there's time for that, but we always seem to make it work somehow. We Okay, we totally get into food stuff, but we'll get to later. So check out Eli. Um, Bert, we could talk about Sunny because you put a nice tweet about do not throw plastic bags of gasoline because Sunny is hilarious. It's like one of my favorite shows. And I, I replied to you, haven't they done two gasoline-themed episodes over the 14 years? I So – I guess the first thing I have to disclose is I haven't seen the full, what would you say, 14 seasons? I think I saw the season. They're going to be 18 seasons. They're working oh every for four more seasons. <laughs> Are we talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's definitely the one episode where Charlie's the wild card, right? And there's, <laughs> oh, yeah. they've yeah, got like the buckets of gas in the back of the van. And the everything. game still solves the gas crisis. Yeah, so that's the one is. I can think of. What's the other gas there, related there was also There was also the road trip one, but I don't remember gas being incorporated into that one so much. I just remember they had a couple episodes where they did a basically a repeat of it almost. Kind of like, if you ever watched Psych, they actually did a word-for-word redo of one of their earlier season episodes. But Sonny's hilarious. Like, they, they mentioned the other day, like, hey, we have four more seasons. What are we going to talk about? It's like, well, we got COVID and stuff, and it'll be, that'll be hilarious. But, like, that show, like, instead of food take, we'll talk TV, but Sonny, it's, the, have you, have you seen Andy? I assume you, since you mentioned the Charlie stuff, you've seen a bunch of it. I've seen, I saw a lot of the first, I don't know, like five, six, seven seasons, something like that. But I ha- I didn't keep up with it 
really after that. Um, so I kind of lost track with it and I haven't picked it back up. So I haven't seen much of the later stuff. Totally. But true. yeah, it's one of those shows. I mean, eventually I've, I've binged just about everything else on the, you know, streamable. <laughs> so I got to get around to it sometime. It, it's just like my favorite. It's just so funny and fast paced. But if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But they repeat stuff all the time. And so I want to bring that up. But well, maybe we'll think of a food thing as we're going along here. But today's show, well, I guess we'll mention Eli. What's he up to? He's over at HeatCheckCBB.com. Betker underscore Eli. Um, do we need to spell it or just search HeatCheckCBB? That's the easy way to find it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm all my. I think I mentioned this to Andy. Pretty much all my attention is devoted over there anyway. And I think I tweeted like once or twice over the last thirty days on my personal account, which I didn't realize until it was in hindsight. But yeah, all the all the good stuff is on HeatCheckCBB. <laughs> A couple of retweets. Your sunny one's a new one from recently, but no, it <laughs> happens sometimes. It, it, no, it's no big deal. But also, our last names are also not easy to spell, so it's like, yeah, just go check out the other one and figure it out from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I am certainly with you, a difficult last name group, so yeah. We know how it is. It's in school. Who's this? Uh, yeah, that's me. Decoff. Decoff. <laughs> Oh, oh but yeah, the kids had fun with it, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> At least somebody enjoyed it. All right, so we'll get to the fun rule stuff that's been out for a while. Me and Andy have been sitting on it, but so with Eli, there's one mountainous topic we need to discuss. And with it not being in season, we laughed before, and Andy knows this, and everybody's listened to joke about the BPI. There's no BPI, BPI game play, to play today, unfortunately, because Eli, I think you got good the final month of us doing it together just about. <laughs> It's so off. It's so weird of how the projections were. Not that you were bad at it. Well, I mean, guessing. No, I don't think I was good, Jeremy. Well, no, no. That's what I meant to say. Yes. You were not good at getting into the answer. I think the BPM percentage was just not accurate. Well, I, I okay. will say this as, as well because uh, the Heat Check staff, we all put in straight up picks and picks against the spread for the NCAA tournament. And I was almost. I. I impossibly bad at picking against the spread. I think I finished maybe 15 games above yeah. 500 straight up and 15 games below 500 against the spread, which I, I I don't really know so much about gambling. I don't really mess with that so much. We just did this kind of for fun. Yeah. I didn't really know that that was possible. <laughs> like, if, you can, if you can correctly pick straight up 65% or 70% of the games – I just can't fathom only picking thirty to thirty-five percent against the spread. So I'm I'm blaming BPI for this. Um, I'm I'm gonna blame BPI and say that they just kind of ruined my whole thought process when it comes to predicting games, and that's what I'm going to stick with on my story. Well, and it makes sense because Jeremy and I don't play the game as much. You know, we we do the BPI game sometimes, but we don't do it quite as you know. Uh, all the times, and I did a lot better than you. I mean, my my real bracket was garbage, but in those picks that we've you know we kept making round by round, I did pretty well. So you know. yeah, you did. <laughs> I, I will say one thing that's hilarious. Um, there's this Twitter and Instagram account. I think it's. I'll finally give them credit because I don't know what to make of it. I think it's Sharp Sharp Rank. Yeah, Sharp Rank. Because I do picks over at College Football News, so I did it for football throughout the season, College Football. And say tournament stuff. I somehow no Katie was like their number one picker for like three months. Jeez. And and they they tag me on Instagram on Twitter. I'm like, what what do, what do I do? I'm like, honestly, what do I do with this information? Are people making money <laughs> off my picks? That to be honest, sometimes I go through. Like, there's research we do. Then there's like 
no, this, this is gut feeling here. And my gut feeling apparently is pretty good. Had I realized I was doing that well, I made of a, our buddy Josh lives in Colorado. I'm like, hey, Josh, can you give me a couple bucks on these games? I'm actually picking pretty good for a while <laughs> to do that. But they like, tag, I'm like, I literally retweeted. I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, how do I make this possible? Do I need to go into making picks and whatnot? But I was like their top guy forever. And I'm like, cool. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think any sane person when it comes to this, I would like to think that when it's going well, it's kind of a mix of I probably know some things, but I'm also getting lucky. And yeah. when it's not going well, it's like, ah, well, who cares? It's it's no big deal. I'll, I'll pick things back up. So I feel like it's either one or the other, depending on how you're doing. But it looks like you, you hit a strong run there. So you'll have to find a way to, I don't know. I, I Again, there's so much on gambling sports Twitter I really just don't understand and I'm just kind of fascinated by yeah. So maybe you can hop into some sort of like paywall picks where you That's you're, thinking, you're hyped up as some guru. <laughs> I was. That's what they were doing. <laughs> Number one guy, and I pulled up the count right now. They have only 239 followers still. <laughs> like I hey, the website. You're charging like, each a dollar though. That's 239 dollars. <laughs> <you're laughs> I got like ten times that about. Come on, a hundred or whatever, like three grand or something on one of my accounts. It was just weird. I'm like, I'm like, I'll make picks. Cool. I go to the website. It's like my name's on there. It's like. It's almost kind of like, not that they're stealing my stuff, but it's because it's out there on Twitter and CFN and everything. I'm like, I just, like, I go to the website, I'm like, okay, I don't, it's just weird. It's like, I just brought up because of BPI. I think if I see the NFL schedule comes out, I see who has Action Network puts together their odds for every game of the year. I'm like, holy crap. Like, even though we knew basically all the games and locations, we just didn't know when they're playing. It's just a weird thing, like 280 games now they're doing more. I'm like, I don't know. But, uh, all right, let's get, let's ask some actual basketball Mountain West stuff. Cause me, we all, we know how tangents work and we do them quite well, I think. <laughs> so, we do. I, I thought of a game. So oh. it's going to replace the BPI real quick. This is going to be our way of testing Eli's, uh, <laughs> Mountain West knowledge on the offseason too. Oh, so, oh boy. I've got the verbal commits page up oh. and just quick shout out to verbal commits and Brandon, uh, Brandon Goldborn runs this, right? Yeah. Pretty sure. Um, anyway, whoever runs this, whoever's running this site, they're doing a fantastic work. Uh, I, I'm sure it's you know more than one person, but just shout out to Verbal Commits for putting all this together and kind of giving everyone a, a chance to track all the transfers and everything that's going on, all the signings. But all right, Eli, which Mountain West team has had the most players transfer out of their program? Oh come on, that's easy. Is it easy? Is it easy? Should I guess and and be, make a fool of myself? So, okay, so I, let's, okay. Let's start with the thing that you think is the easiest, Jeremy, and we can start with which which school has had the most players enter the portal at one point or UNLV another. Rebels. Yeah. Okay, but how many? Okay, I was gonna I was gonna say that for the record. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a safe pick when it comes to this. No, All right. Kidding. Now, how? Which school has had the most players actually leave? Because, you know, entering the portal and transferring are two different things. I would say New Mexico. Um, It's between them and the Rebels. I'm still going to say UNLV. All right, let me just double check here. You know, I don't don't want to be wrong. Now, of course, this is not 100% up to date, um, but it's it's pretty close. FYI. One, two, three, four. 
and there's an eighth that's not marked on here. Okay, that's what I wanted to check. All right, so UNLV has eight transfers out that have actually, you know, committed somewhere else. Let's see here. New Mexico at the moment. What's that? Just got to count. I guess that's not what we're talking about, but the Swede. Sebastian Forsling. Well, so he wouldn't count for UNLV. Um, All right, so New Mexico, we've got one, two, three, four confirmed transfers, but that's it at the moment. So transfers out. So we could have some people coming back. We'll see. But um, it looks like it's UNLV, yeah, with a whopping eight. Jeez. So yeah, I, I kept following. They're also the home of the Big Twelve Big Twelve Wayward Crew that's coming to town too. True. So, so true. that goes Iowa State, West Virginia, a couple of Texas guys. So, uh, all right, looks like I, I keep winning, and Eli doesn't fare well these games. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, you did kind of take the one answer right out from under him before you got a chance. <laughs> it's, it's the safe bet. UNLV leading non-West transfers has been the safe bet in recent years, but at least yeah. at least they're combating it with some really nice additions this off season. So that's kind of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I how was happy goes. to see uh, Chekumbake Jong landed at UCF. So he'll be over in Central Florida uh, for his final collegiate year. But, uh, yeah, they've had a bunch of guys go. You know, we talked about uh, – we talked before about how Utah and uh, Utah State have had kind of uh, a little bit of some trades going on, but you've also had David Jenkins from UNLV going to Utah. So they've been picking up Mountain West players left and right. But, yeah, it's been it's been a pretty crazy – time, but it's been a little quieter these last couple weeks. There hasn't been quite as much going on uh, in terms of all these transfers. We did have some news uh, with Trey Wade, who had originally transferred, you know, announced he was going to transfer from Wichita State. He eventually decommitted uh, due to his grandfather's health. He wanted to transfer somewhere a little closer uh, to his grandfather, so he won't end up attending Nevada, but they're still going to have Will Baker from Texas and uh, Addison Patterson from Oregon coming in. So they're, they'll be okay. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. No, that'll be good. All right, so let me ask you like this. What was your favorite coaching hire of the offseason within the Mountain West, obviously? Uh, Well, I think I, I, I... Genuinely, like most of these, I thought some of them were a bit out of left field. Like, I, I would have not have expected that Ryan Odom would have wound up with the Utah State job. I think geographically it's a little different, uh, whether that means anything or not. I, I do think he's going to make that work, and I do think that Utah State is going to have a good deal of success in the JUCO market, and he's already off to a pretty good start. But I have to go with Tim Miles at San Jose State here. I thought for San Jose State to land a coach whose most previous stop or most recent stop was in the Big Ten, I think that's a really big deal. And Tim Miles, I, I still think he could have had more time with Nebraska. I think that is a program that, comparatively speaking to the rest of Big Ten, is, <laughs> it's underfunded and it doesn't have 
really as as many resources to be successful as the other Big Ten schools that we've grown accustomed to. And he was still able to get them to the NCAA tournament and also to the NIT and string together some 20-win seasons. So he knows how to coach. But I think the thing that I like most about him as it relates to this job is he's so enthusiastic. And he yeah. I think he has that level of charisma and excitement that just San Jose State's basketball program has lacked in the last five, ten years or so. And I think that's a really big deal because there have there have been several really talented players that have come through the SJSU program. I don't think that talent has been the issue. I think it's more so roster continuity and chemistry because when we look at San Jose State in recent years, they've had, uh, of course, Brandon Clark, who mm-hmm. put up numbers that were basically exactly what Zion Williamson did and turned into a really solid NBA player. They've had, uh, I mean, Noah Bauman, who was, who transferred over to USC. He's still at the high major level. Uh, they've had guys transferred to Illinois State. They've had, uh, Ryan Wellich, who transferred to Xavier. There have been a ton of really good players who have come to the program, been double digit scorers, and then moved on to a high major spot. So you know that the talent's been there. And I just think the key now is for Tim Miles to really bring it all together and, and have that sort of connection. We know that San Jose State, it's a, it's a nice campus, it's a nice area, and there are some good things going within that program. But I just, I really like that fit, and Tim Miles is just such an easy guy to root for with his enthusiasm. It just seems so easy to like. So I'm, I'm curious how quickly he can get it turned around. I think they can be a pretty competitive team sooner than later. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. I'm going to ask you a question about this. I brought this up and people gave me flack on Twitter out of, out of, it, it depends how you want to read into the question where – or how you ask it because the the expectations and the type of coach you could get going to San Jose State, I felt by far it was the best hire, best best hire of all the offseason because the overachieving coach who comes there, he led Nebraska, as you said, to NCAA tournaments. I think, what, two losing seasons, and Fred Hoiberg has won 14 games in two years, not very good. Compared to people like, what about Chris Beard to Texas? I'm like, well, Texas could get whoever they want regardless. We were talking about, me and Andy, San Jose State getting a JUCO guy in San Francisco area to be their head coach. (laughs) And then land Tim Miles. Like, I honestly think, and people said, oh, no, that's the case. Out of all the coaching hires, that was by far number one, the best hire of any school. Yeah, I don't don't even think that's really a hot take. I think in terms of the coach and his pedigree and what he's done compared to – the, the pedigree of the program, what the program has done in recent years, I think that's a, I think that is very, that could very well prove to be the best coaching hire of the whole off season. But I mean, of course, it's it's going to be a challenge, and there are so many good programs in the Mountain West now. Even though that, even though a lot of these programs are kind of in an ebb and flow type situation where you might be good for two, three years, and then you might kind of sink back in the middle of the pack. There's there's still so much talent in the conference. But I remember probably two, three weeks before SJSU made this hire, and Tim Miles was still – I mean, he had his name floated around for the tons of high major jobs that had opened up. And for Tim Miles to go – from being rumored to landing a high major job to then going to San Jose State, which is 
several, I mean, just decades removed from their most recent tournament appearance and, and several years removed from a winning season, that's a pretty big deal. So I'm curious how this turns out. I think San Jose State is, I mean, among all of these teams in the Mountain West, and there are so many good teams next year, I still am just so curious about what this looks like. And he's already brought in some quality transfers. It's nice to, to see those pieces come into place. But like you said, it's it's exciting for a program that has so long been the cellar dweller in the conference to actually have some, some excitement and something to look forward to this season. Yeah, I think just for my part, too, I mean, I remember talking about this with, with each of you uh, separately about this this hire and – it was kind of a pessimistic view on what San Jose State could get, right? I mean, I, I remember bringing up, I think, you know, Rick Croy from Cal Baptist, and the general thought was, eh, I really don't know if a sitting head coach is going to leave for this job. And we just kind of had this negative thought. And, yeah, so I just I agree with you, Eli, that not only is Tim Miles just like a slam dunk hire, but I think the enthusiasm that he's personally bringing to it, to a search that was pretty drab, um, mm-hmm. it was pretty quiet, too. I think it's pretty – I think that's very cool and very, very good uh, for, for, the, for, for the program. I think it's interesting, too, that he was definitely up for two other openings – in the Mountain West, you know, or at least rumored to be up for them in the New Mexico jobs and the Utah State job. Uh, and for him to still end up landing in the conference, you know, at, at kind of the unexpected spot is, I love it personally, because I'm a fan of Coach Miles uh, and just kind of his brand, his enthusiasm. I, I think it's fun. I think it brings a lot to the table in terms of just an entertaining product for, for me to watch personally. Um I, I like it, but I grew up with, uh, you know, a coach like Mike Riley, <laughs> familiar with Mike Riley, the uh, old Oregon State and Nebraska uh, football head coach, and for a time, San Diego Chargers. That didn't really work out, but just, you know, the, the nice guy head coach. I love it. So I think Tim Miles brings uh, a fun, unique energy to the table. So I'm excited about the hire, too. No, it's good. All right, let's uh... – Let's move, unless I think we're good. We've talked about this. Let's get to the fun stuff. Not that this isn't fun to talk about Sony and all random coaches in the Mountain West and everything here. Uh, college basketball rules. CBS put this – we saw this a while ago for Matt and Erlander. If, they put a post together about a couple days ago, it looks like. But it was like a couple weeks ago that – or maybe a month ago. These rule changes are coming out of the pipeline. Let me ask you first, Eli. Is there any not, – not getting into these rule proposals – is there a curtain rule in college basketball that you're like, it's dumb, it's stupid, that it needs to go away with? That's like currently going on. Like something yeah. you would... Yeah, I think the the very first one that comes to mind is the alternating possessions for <laughs> jump balls. I don't like that one. I like alternating possessions for uh, the first and second half. I think that makes sense based on who wins the tip. But yeah. Uh, jump ball alternating possession like you can take I, I mean I'm sure it happened in this this past year's tournament I, I can't come up with an exact example but say uh, we've seen plays like this time and time again say a, a guard is driving to the hoop uh, he, he kind of fumbles the ball a little bit and the defender flies in secures the tie up and of course, it's it's alternating possession, so the offense gets the ball back, and it's a complete shot clock reset. Like, you pretty much just do a do-over. I really 
don't like that rule, and I don't even know if it necessarily needs to go to a jump ball like uh, the NBA does because that is sometimes you're matched up when when like a seven footer is matched <laughs> up with a six footer. Like it's sometimes it gets a little strange like that. I think you I, I I wouldn't be opposed for the defense to always be awarded the ball when it comes to a jump ball. I think if you secure a jump ball, then you should get the basketball back. But that's probably the one that comes to mind first that I really don't like. But, uh, again, um, so many people will bring up block and charge, and that desperately needs to be figured out. But I just don't have the answer to that one. No, you're right. It makes sense, too, because typically if it's a jump ball, I never thought about that way because – I also, like, I officiate water polo, and that's rarely called. It's the same thing. If you tie it up, you do, they come to the side of the pool, you toss the ball up, whatever. It's not an alternate possession. They get to, same type of thing. But you're right, too. I think, like, usually you're right. The guard goes to the hoop. Either it's off the knee, off the thigh, or a guy reaches over with his long arm and grabs it and holds it. It's like, what did the mm-hmm. offensive player do to actually deserve a chance to get the ball back again? Nothing. They literally, they tried to score, and their focus, clearly, they want to put the ball, but their focus isn't keeping the ball away from them. The defender, you're right, makes a move to grab the ball. The offensive player is just strong enough to hold on to it. Because you could also say, oh, maybe there's a foul there because the defender comes over. But actually, yeah, that's actually a good point. I like that because the offensive player does nothing on those situations. But then you have, they both jump for a rebound or a loose ball, but the more com- or a block, which is almost the same thing. You get the weird block where the guy just holds the ball against the other guy and he falls to the ground and he just mm-hmm. holds it. It's like, oh, jump ball. It's like, well, who made the good play there? Yeah, the exactly. player got stoned. Defensive player is in position, doesn't hit the hand, arm, or make contact with the body. I actually may like that better where you can make the situation where whoever initiated the potential tie-up should get the ball. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, and, yeah, and even, even on loose balls too because – there's always going I mean there's always going to be an off there's going to be an offensive team on every possession. So if there is a loose ball then that means that either the offensive team missed a shot, which you shouldn't be uh I guess benefited for missing a shot, or you turn the ball over and again you shouldn't be benefited for turning the ball over. So I think in almost every circumstance that there is a jump ball the defense did something to make that happen. So I think it just makes a whole lot of sense for the defense to be rewarded for the jump balls because oftentimes those can be game altering possessions. And it's just kind of, it's kind of silly where you could have a possession down the stretch where the defense makes a tremendous play to tie the ball up and then it just resets. And then the defensive team is just forced to play the foul game again, which we've seen time and time again. Yeah, you'll see the guy make the block off the backboard and get stuck in the rim. That's the jump ball. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I don't really mind the actual jump ball so much, although I do see Eli's point about, like, if you've got a center who's blocking a a guard, you know, that (laughs) creates some inequalities there. But I, I don't really see a point for the two people who were involved to be the ones who have to do the jump ball. So my hmm. my thing would basically be, you know, fine. Any held ball can still be end of a possession. It's a dead ball. You can make substitutions at that point if you need to. And then it goes to the half. It goes to the center of the court, and you do a real jump ball with whoever you want to designate to do the jump ball, just like you would at the start of the game. And then you go from there. You know, you restart the game, basically. But I don't really... I don't think that there's any reason to 
necessarily like restrict it to the two players involved in the held ball have to do the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I agree that I don't like that it's just straight awarded possession either, uh, based on a weird possession clock. I don't like that the opening tip affects the possession clock, and that yeah. so does the inbound at the start of the second half. Like the possession clock should I don't know it's just weird and I it seems it seems like a weird forced thing so I like the jump ball I mean we we call these held balls jump balls anyway right because we're so used to seeing it in the NBA uh, or just you know I think even college had it as a jump ball for a while right it wasn't always take the ball out I don't think but anyway either way I think the jump balls like actually jumping for the ball is a good way to solve this. Issue yeah, I like that too, a bit more, but yeah. But go to the center, you know, of the court, really restart everything. Um, but just like, you know, in hockey, when you've got a penalty called or something like that, you know, you don't have the guys who were involved in the penalty doing the face-off. There's no, you know, there's nothing to do with that. It's just, you just start the game over and, you know, whoever does that role, whoever's job that is to do the tip-off does it. So, also, yeah, you make a good thought. point there. It's like, also, go back to Eli's point. If you do the, if you make a good defensive play, the ball's at your freaking end of the court. If you do, if you do like what the NBA does, you make a good defensive play, you're already stuck on your defensive side anyways. And so it's like if you go that route, you're still also reward the offense for literally doing nothing or being out of control. So no, that's a good one to get into. I, I didn't expect to have a, a whole held ball jump ball conversation that much, but that's for that's <coughs> that and maybe even like the. Uh, Double bonus is not not a super fan of it because I know the one on one's kind of going away. But really quick, Andy, do you have any other thing you'd want to change before we get into these proposals here? That like I want to get rid of this Um, or change this? No, honestly, more that I want to keep the halves. I like the halves. Um, So I I guess mine isn't really as creative in that I want to be conservative and not make a rule change. But I'm. I'm kind of hesitant to move to the quarters. I like the uniqueness of it. I I like the one and one and the double bonus. I think it's again an interesting unique kind of thing to to the college, to the men's college game really even too. Um so I don't have any, you know, big rule changes that I would like to make or, you know, things that I'd like to see eradicated necessarily. But I do have some thoughts on some of the rule changes that look like they might be getting uh, tested out. So, Well, which one? Let's start there. Which one? There's, i got a couple things up here. There's a handful. Right. I'll, I'll run through really quick before we go. There's kind of a quick – well, no, let's just start with you, then we'll go at the end of the we missed. So which ones do you like? Like there's some that would be recommended, unlikely. Like you may – let's start with the quarter thing because – you're fine are the halves. Do you want to start with that one where the foul yeah. thing, which would be kind of confusing yeah. if they stick think, to the halves? I think the halves one is definitely the the most – it takes the most thought. And, and I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't like this. So the proposal is to uh, increase the amount of fouls in the game that a player can get to six, but with the caveat that – you can only get a maximum of four per half. So if you get four fouls in the first half, you're disqualified for the game. Yeah. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. I don't think we need to add fouls. I understand, you know, we need to have the best players on the court more. That's why we're watching the game, blah, blah, blah. The best players need to not foul. <laughs> you know, that's kind of my response to that. My my reasoning for this is college basketball games, right, are five-sixths the length of an NBA game. If I'm doing my math correctly, 40 minutes out of 48 yeah. minutes, you know, it's five-sixths. So they get five sixths the amount of fouls. You get six in the NBA. You get five. You get one foul every eight minutes. That's just kind of how it works, and I don't see a problem with that. Why do we want the college people to foul like more fouls per minute? That's more not free throws, longer game. Yeah. I also the other thing that I don't like about this this max four per half thing. Yeah. I no. don't like having rules at different times of the game. I don't like. I honestly would prefer. Like, I know the under two minute monitor reviews are, they get dragged out for so long and like everyone hates them. But I also don't like that you only get to do that in two minutes. Like, those are the only plays in the game that matter. Yeah. Um, I think that that just from a theoretical standpoint is kind of stupid that <laughs> we treat certain like sections of the game differently and, 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 uh, legislate them differently. Um, but the other thing about this is like an actual, more than, the, you know, from a theoretical, like an actual example here of this four fouls and one half thing. So you could see a player have five fouls and still playing in the game while another player with four fouls is yeah. gone, right? Yeah. You get a guy who fouls three times in the first half, gets two more in the second. He's sitting there with five. He can still go. Uh, the other, you know, the other guy got four fouls in the first half and he's and he's gone. Or he didn't get any fouls in the first half and he got four in the second half and now he's gone. You know, and he finishes the game with four fouls and this other person has five and he's gets to still play. It's like I, what why does it matter when the foul happened? I don't know. So or don't, this or the six foul thing. It's like what the heck? Yeah. And well the other thing too with these fouls, I don't want to get too far away from this one before, you know, you guys have a chance to talk about it too, but with the technical fouls for flops, uh, which is another one that's coming in here, just I'm all as, for it. As a note, and I, yeah, before I get into like whether or not I agree with that, just as a note, those technical fouls would not be personal fouls. So a person with five fouls and a flop tech could <laughs> be playing in the game while this person who got four fouls, because, you know, you're playing hack-a-shack at the end of the game or whatever. you got to foul the inbounder. You know, sometimes the wrong guy has to foul, whatever. Now it's this dude's fourth foul. He's out of the game. Meanwhile, this other guy with five fouls and a technical gets to stay in. I It's just or like one, that. Or, yeah. It's it's like this flop thing. I think about it right now, because like, I ref water pool. Nothing high level. I do some these whatever I just do high school and some other stuff. There's a similar rule where it's like simulation. If you are faking a foul, there's a couple things we could do. We could, it depends on the level. Like we could technically yellow card the coach, which literally does nothing. <laughs> it, or, but also if a guy does that enough times, typically it depends. It could be offense or defense. But the weird thing is, like if it's a defensive guy, like pretending he's like a flop, essentially if he matches up in the water, I could exclude him to the corner like in hockey he's out for 20 seconds offensive player you just turn the ball over kind of like a charge and block thing but it's also like you're watching making that here's the thing about making that technical which i can agree with because it's a it's a thing that needs to be switched up and changed but if i see that the first time 
I may let it go because maybe the guy is not a good player. Maybe something weird happened, or I'm not sure what it was. I guess you could go with a no call, but then everybody's freaking out like, oh, he ran into him. It's a flop. And because you can make the no call, it doesn't, doesn't have to be a block or a charge, but that's a pretty hefty penalty for the, for a subjective call to get technical. And what, I like the yeah. idea, but it's hard. It's difficult. It's, if, because if you call it the very beginning, you have to call it the rest of the way the same type of thing for that type of call. I, I think what concerns me with the flopping as a technical foul is I think we're going to run into certain scenarios where a, it seems like a player flopped, but it's kind of one of those bang-bang plays. And yes, yeah. there was contact, but did the player make the contact seem greater than it was? And is that enough to warn a technical foul? And Referees like Teddy Valentine exist, and there are instances where if there is significant momentum in the game or the crowd is into it or, or just all of these different things that come into play, I can envision a situation where a player who really did not deserve a technical foul for a flop is called for one, and it completely changes the, the trajectory of the game. So that one kind of concerns me. I'm also somewhat pro flop. I think it's pretty hilarious and <laughs> it's it's just kind of I mean, it's something that I did growing up cuz I was always the smallest guy on the floor, so I had to kind of use whatever I could to at least draw a foul or get out of tricky situations. So, I've always kind of been pro flop and I think it's hilarious especially when the refs fall for it. Um <laughs> so I would I, I would say this, honestly, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Eli, just right as you said that, I re- I remembered. So I was not good at sports, really. I mean, I wanted to be, but I wasn't. But I tried out for basketball my freshman year and did not make the team um, in high school. But one of the drills that we went through during tryouts was to flop. Like to to sell a charge, kind of a thing. Like and to you know slide back and to take the take the impact and to really sell it and. It's like it was a thing that I learned growing up, and to see that everyone turn on it, Vladi Divac made a career off of flopping, man. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. I'm just I'm also pro flop, so I just wanted to jump I in. Will, I will say this too. It also brings back the two minutes of the game. What happens if it's at minute eight twenty two in the first half? You can't review that, and because also yeah. guys could there's a million scenarios like a guy could slip, a guy could be just taking a step backwards because he's trying to get in defensive position. He's doing the backpedaling, 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 just kind of his, like you mentioned, the momentum. He tries to stop. He falls backwards as the guy's coming in. He does a jump stop or something. So he thinks he's going to flop, but he's actually just kind of falls backward because his momentum trying, you know, it is a super fast back, Mm -hmm. back step and go. He tries to plant. He doesn't plant. He slides back. The guy does a jump stop or a Euro step, which is one of the rules that you can do now. He hops, he goes in for it. And there's like no contact, but the guy just falls because he tries to make a stop so hard. The offensive player gets so close to him, maybe grazes him or doesn't even touch him. We see those funny soccer ones where the guy comes, doesn't even touch him and he falls over. <laughs> yeah. But it could be a thing where he's just going to, he's dead stops. His momentum carries him, upper body goes backwards. The guy comes in for a shot or does a, a floater or a lean in to try to make contact. I don't know, but what's the difference? Like, why is that a technical and not a, I know there's a call for a charge, but look what Reggie Miller is doing in the NBA. He's kick his feet off to try to get the foul. Why can't that be a reverse, a technical assembly where you're trying to not a malicious drop the shoulder to charge, but to elicit 
a charge without playing basketball. Like, it should I, go both yeah. ways. I, I just feel like, I feel like flopping as it's, as it's a uh, referee call, I just feel like that's somewhat opinionated. It, it, it feels totally. like, I mean, pretty much every single time all 10 players run down the court for a half-court possession, we've seen that possession and that the result of that possession at some point it, like in the history of basketball, there isn't something unusual that happens on every possession. It, it just it doesn't really work that way. So I feel like all of that is to say that it's it's very much an opinionated call, and the referees can't go up to a defender and ask him, "Did you flop?" Because <laughs> of course, they, like the answer is always going to be no. Like we know that the result of this is now going to be a technical foul. So why would a player ever admit to it? So. I, I understand wanting to to remove it from the game because it is used to deceive referees and and alter possessions in that way. But I just feel like so many of these rule changes could just be solved by better officiating. To be honest, yeah, and true. I feel like a lot of these rule changes are somewhat topical. And I feel like if there were just uh, man, like not to go too abstract on this, but I just wish that there was uh, more more resources given to the referees and probably more training and things like that, so that they're better equipped to call games, so that the game itself doesn't be need to be complicated. I mean, the on its surface, this four fouls per half thing—it's just remarkably stupid, in my opinion. I just. I I don't understand why it's too much work. It's too much it's, work for the guys to keep track of. Yeah, and it, it doesn't like the game of basketball doesn't need to be overcomplicated. I understand that it's different now than it was 20 years ago. It's different now than it was 50 years ago, and the players don't look the same, and the game is being played differently. But I don't know if that means that the rule book needs to be changed so much. And it's not it's not like it's not like college basketball is off the rails now because of these few rules, but I just, I look at the way football is now and with so many of those plays, like what is the catch versus what isn't a oh, catch. Geez. And, That's Brian and, <laughs> and Yeah. And like, what's the opinion on a holding penalty versus what isn't holding. Yeah, I just, I, I really don't like the, the kind of opinionated calls that we see in sports that could really go either way. I just, I, I like for those to be removed as much as possible. And I just feel like the flopping as a technical and also increasing the fouls just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And the other thing that I, I noticed while you guys were chatting is I was on Ken Palm and something that stuck out to me, which isn't necessarily what I expected, but in 2021, uh, the free throw rate, uh, which is generally around 35 to 40 on a national scale, so that's free throw attempts divided by field goal attempts. It's about 35 to 40 percent. It was actually at an all-time low this past season, and it was at an all-time low of the season before that. So the number of fouls and the number of free throws per possession are actually as low as they've ever been. So increasing the foul totals, especially when it's eight minutes per foul for disqualification in the NBA, and and it has been eight minutes per foul for disqualification at the college level, 
to now increase it when fouls are as low as they've ever been, it it just seems pretty needless to me. And I just don't understand why a, a coach would have to be concerned with having a player foul four times in one half when another feature on Ken Palm is the two-foul participation, which shows how often a player in the first half actually returns to a game after recording two fouls. And the national average for that is 23%. So one out of every four players is even going to return to the game after having two fouls in the first half. So how often is a player even going to reach even three fouls in the first half, let alone four? So I I don't know. I just don't get it. Now that you bring that up, Eli, you know, we talked a bunch about uh, Fran McCaffrey and how he yep. would um, always, always sit players with two fouls, right? I mean, it, except, you know, maybe if it was Luca Garza, maybe, you know. Uh, that <laughs> was kind of the question is, was that going to be the exception? But a, if this rule had been in place and he knew, like, well, you know, even if he picks up three, he's still got two more he can get, you know, in the second half. Um, I wonder if that would change, you know, that kind of strategy at all. I don't know. I will say one other thing. So I, I said before, you know, I don't have any, you know, wild rule changes or whatever. One thing that I realized I, I do at least want to ask about, because maybe I'm just, like, missing something here. I think that offensive fouls should be counted as team fouls. I don't know why they're not. Hmm. Like charge, like charges don't. The only offensive, yeah, the only offensive foul is what charge, or maybe like some over aggressiveness. Like if you, that's basically yeah. I mean, if you're like pushing on a rebound or something like that. Yeah, 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 but typically it's charge or over the back, essentially. You know, like an illegal screen. You know, is that a thing? I don't know. Is that a foul or is that a turnover? I don't know. Well, now I can't remember, and I've been watching, you know, I've been watching NBA uh, recently. Both, right? <laughs> well, well, that's the thing is, you know, so an offensive foul has generally been a turnover, but it hasn't been a team foul. Um, and I just, I guess I just don't really understand the reasoning behind that. Like, why is this, why is an individual fouling on defense? Why is the team responsible for that? But an individual mm-hmm. fouling when they have the ball, the team is not responsible for that? I don't know. It feels like what he, there's a, something I'm missing or or just that's something that hasn't been addressed. But Here's what it is. Just FYI for everybody. Okay. Illegal screen with no contact, not a foul. Contact, a foul. Okay. So if you just do illegal screen and don't touch the guy or don't get in their way, that's just a turnover. If you t- make contact with them, then it's a foul. But I think you're still correct. It's still not a team foul, right? I wouldn't think so. Well, I don't know. See, and this is that's a good question is because I'm saying offensive foul when I really do mean player control foul when I'm saying that. I mean like a charge. That's kind of what that that is. Any offensive foul is like that, I think. Illegal screen, eh, iffy, but if you make contact, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I don't know is if it's treated the same way. But I know, you know, what what I'm referring to anyway is that I know that player control fouls are not counted as team fouls. And that's what I'm not – Sure, I agree with. There's lots of weird stuff. That goes back to the like, saying, like, the education, and I know this might seem kind of boring, but like, learning curve and education. Like, there's times where, again, I appreciate some stuff where I've actually been like, okay, how do I get better? What do I need to do? Like, where I live, there's not, like, high-level stuff. There's a little bit here and there, but, like, I've gone, oh, I'll go to California and do a bunch of tournaments here because there's really good play. Like, the first time I went out there, 
it was great and terrible at the same time. <laughs> because it wasn't put with, like, I was put with a decent group, but I was with this guy who was, like, an NCA guy who refs all these NCA stuff. We had to move pools because the power outage happened, so we had to go to another indoor pool or a new pool. So we're on the same side. And here's one way, if you're ever getting into, if, and this is basically just life advice, everybody. We were on, normally you're on the opposite side of the pool, so you, unless you have a headset, which we usually don't, you just maybe talk in between quarters and walk around. But we're on the same side because of the way the pool was set up. Every time, hey, did you see this? Did you do that? Why didn't you do this? So I'm like, dude, shut up. Quit telling me stuff every five seconds. I get it. It actually helped me the next day when I'm like, okay, he's not here harping on me, so I'm not going to make some dumb call or just have him step over me because we're on the same side. But there does need to be some education where, like, you need – there. I know there is, but more is always better. But, you're like, all the athletes are better. You're, play, you're refereeing the Big 12 to the MAC, to the Big West, to the Sun Belt, to the Mountain West. It's all different. But it needs to be better. But a couple of things I want to get back to. We went to – we'll go on some more fun stuff here. Why can't the there be some sort of warding on, like, flops or charges, essentially? Like, why can't there be – because when I do little kid stuff, it's kind of funny, but this makes sense. For, like, little kids, like, under 12, under 10, when I ref water pool, if there's a foul at a certain point on the pool, like, outside, like, six meters, you can shoot it right away. But not if you're under 12 or there's some zone defensive rule. So if that happens, like, okay, we'll grab the ball from the side. Like, hey, guys, you can't do this again. Or it's a penalty. It's a, some sort of – it's your go to the corner for a turnover. Why can't there be something like that where you actually see a pattern and then you call something? Like, yeah, you may get away with it once or twice, but everybody can get away with it once or twice. Well, that's what's that's what's in place now, right? I mean, that's what they're moving away from is the flop warnings, right? I don't know. I just think that's kind of because what if it's not intentional? I don't know. It's like you can t- you can tell if they're doing it on purpose after once or twice. Yeah, I I don't know, or just like if you really think that somebody's doing something really bad and egregiously and they are ruining the spirit of the game, then give them a technical for an unsportsmanlike or whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent of that is. Can we give yellow and red cards in basketball? Come on, just do that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, there we go. I'm fine with that. hundred percent. I'm fine with that. What are they? I, 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 I think, yeah, I think, I think one other thing that needs to be mentioned here is the, the hack-a-shack type, play style is so infrequent these days that it's it's completely noteworthy when it actually happens and I, I can't even honestly tell you the last time something like this did happen because at the college level you it's not like there is one single player especially a big man who always has to be on the floor and the other the defense can just rely on fouling him and sending him to the line I think coaches are savvy enough now that they know how to avoid that or keep the ball out of his hands or things like that. That I, I mean, it it feels a little outlandish to say, but I just think the foul limit itself is kind of silly because a, a lot of these, a lot of these players. I mean, how often do we see a player who is actually acting completely reckless as to just rack up foul after foul or? is trying to get kicked out of the game or all of these things that these rules are in place for, which are never actually applied as a, as a rule defines. Like we don't run into a situation where a player loses his mind and then commits five fouls on five possessions. A, a, coach, <laughs> a coach would bench him after the first foul, right? Like that's, that just isn't something that happens. So I don't know if I like it so much, but I, I will say in addition to this, just one other thing is, 
something that I have never wrapped my head around is the definition of an intentional foul, especially oh. as it relates to the end of the game. Because, I, I mean, Jeremy, you know this, and Andy knows this as well as anyone. When a team is trailing at the end of the game, every single foul is intentional to extend the game. Yeah, exactly. And we're still seeing time and time again where a, a team is trying to run out a, a fast break to go up five or go up six or what have you. Grab the and there's a foul at, yeah, and there's a foul at midcourt and that's called as intentional and then the game is effectively over. I just don't understand the difference between that as an intentional foul versus the intentional fouls that we know are intentional at the end of the game. That one just has never made any sense to me. I've never seen that defined. I would say this. Again, I'll go back to my water polo stuff, so hopefully make it clear if people understand. I had a game a couple weeks ago, a month ago, just some high school kids, and sometimes it scores out of hand, and the coach is like, hey, go foul them to get excluded so you go to the corner to work on something. Like, hey, we'll get our person excluded. We'll work on our man-down defense for 35 seconds. I could tell. We'll call it right away. But there's one girl who did it where – they go hard for the foul, like I call it, we call the foul. They go through, it's like going through the body on basketball. Think of you, of somebody taking a shot, like a three-point shot, you hack their elbow or their arm, just because you're doing it on, on purpose, but you're right, it's not intent to hurt. But then they follow through and like push them or tackle them, or they jump so they're in air. So not only do they hit the arm, they go through and almost tackle them, essentially, those type of plays. So in my situation, this girl was way over the top. She pushed the person in the water. Her hips and butt come in the air. Her two hands, I'm like, no, they're, the game, there's 40 seconds a game, but they're done for the whole game. I think intentional foul mm-hmm. should be kind of like that where they're, that's, I could tell what it was. They're out. But it's more intentional to almost injure them where it's not a traditional foul. Like if I'm going to go it, – it is hard to define. Like if I'm going to grab the jersey, that should be an intentional foul. If I go up next to somebody – and do a basketball move to foul, that shouldn't be an intentional foul. I think if you're preventing something from easily happening, that's intentional because if they're in a fast break, like you say, they'll pull and grab the jersey, they'll do whatever they can to make the contact because I'd rather them take two free throws instead of an easy layup. Those type of things should be more intentional than, oh, I'm fouling at midcourt where, to me, an easy way to put intentional fouls would be something where a likely score is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That would make the most sense. Like it's a layup. Or it's an overaggressive foul shooting a three-pointer, likely or not, but you're wide open and the guy comes over and almost tackles you or pushes you or something, or does the two-handed shove we see a lot. It's like that's an intentional foul. Clearly, a basketball. So we move need to, like, we need that, penalty shots, is what it sounds like. We need yellow cards, red cards, <laughs> yeah. and penalty shots. And for viral I call penalty shots like here's the thing: like if it's a newer, newish rule, if all you can do in the water is if if it's like a fast break, one on nine, you versus the goalie. The only thing the defender can do is hit the ball or their wrist. Anything else, boom, I call a penalty. That's what the rule is. So if it's like a like probable shot or sh- – I don't care. We don't know if it's going over basketball because it's different from a big goal like soccer or hockey or water polo. But if it's a likely shot or getting a very good look, like that should be intentional foul or like aggressiveness. It's like if I'm going to foul because we all know they're going to foul. You're up three or you're up whatever it is. You're up three. You're going to up three or excuse me, you're down three. You're going to foul right away. That should be an intentional foul, but it's never called an intentional foul because you're fouling on purpose to not let them get a shot off to tie it. And isn't that one of the rules too? Isn't that one of the things in there where it's like the you can award some sort of – I maybe missed it, but the free throw when you're down three and you foul them, isn't there something like that? 
Oh, that was one of so when you yeah, at the start of this you had mentioned that uh, Matt Norlander put out a bunch of uh, the proposed like potential things that might get discussed, and I think that was in there was that um, you you know at the end of a game or within the final two minutes or something like that you could elect to take the ball out of bounds. In oh, that's right here. Shooting free yeah, throws. Yeah. That's right here. Allow offense. I thought there's something more specific about being up or down three. Allow offensive teams to decline free throws in the final two minutes and overtimes. I would love this for this to happen because again I'll go back to my thing really quick. It's like college. I did this in college when I played. You could, it's now on every level, if it's an intentional foul, again, we go back to, it's a couple of different things we want to discuss, how you're fouling, what you're fouling. If it, there's, um, if there's a penalty awarded, any penalty, you can just take the ball and set up at half court. Instead of, because you can miss a penalty shot, especially if it's like a close game. No, I will keep the ball instead. Right. Like, right. I would, I, this I would love to adopt because that would, again, it does give the offense more of an advantage, but, I would love for, okay, you're going to foul me? Fine, you get the foul, and I get the ball. You foul me again, I get the ball, I'm fouled. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're wasting, I know they could prolong games a bit, but usually that's done when there's, what, under thir- under a shot clock left, under 35 seconds. Do you guys, I think this would be a brilliant thing to put into the game. Maybe I'd go a minute instead of two minutes, but I think this would be a fascinating rule to do and change end of possession and make end of games much more exciting. Um, I mean, just 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 as long as you don't suggest Elam ending, because if you <laughs> suggest Elam ending, we are going to have problems. <laughs> I wouldn't mind trying it here and there. Why not? Just for just to see how it goes. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I I've never been a fan of that one. But I mean, I I do like I do like your proposal. And one other thing that that randomly came to mind uh, while you were discussing this was, I don't know if it could ever be intertwined into basketball at all for a play that actually counts for something. But one of the extremely minor things that I always find just just small bits of entertainment in is when there is a foul called and a player, even after the whistle goes up and takes a shot and there's always a defender around the basket who leaps and tries to bat the shot away, even though the play is dead. (laughs) And I just feel like something like that, if there is team up, I mean, even go ahead. No, technical, man. If you go up and do that, why not? You're messing with the um, game. Like, it's, delay the it's game. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fun and I feel like if there was a a bang bang call or if there's a jump ball <laughs> or something like that, it would be fun if if both teams could just select who they wanted to <laughs> to shoot and defend. Like could you imagine I remember uh, that Duke UCF game always sticks out to me because you have right? yeah Taco Fall, yeah my little girl's RJ Barrett. Could you imagine <laughs> if there's a significant play and you have like Taco Fall shooting a three pointer and Duke's six one guard like trying to bat the shot down? That would it probably wouldn't lead to anything, but it would be just absolutely just mind blowing entertainment to me. Well, see if we turned overtime into just a series of like one on ones, you know, yeah. penalty <laughs> shots, basically. Then hey, maybe you'd end up in a situation like that. Basically, basketball needs to be soccer at this point. Yeah, I think we've my- turned basketball into <laughs> soccer, which is great. My little girl, I, I see I, like a year ago. I'm like, hey, these basketball players. She knows Michael Jordan. She's eleven. Michael Jordan. Never seen him play there, but everybody knows Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. LeBron James, and Taco Fall. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how you see. Yeah, really. She awesome. wrote a letter, drew pictures, 
and I, I keep trying, I keep forgetting to mail it to the Boston Celtics about Taco Fall. <laughs> <laughs> Just mail it to Jeff Goodman. He's he's like right in there with all the the Celtics yeah. people, all right? So uh, yeah, there you I'll go. Send, I'll send you Goodman's address over there. <laughs> As for so, okay, we did the last declined fruit. I think that would be brilliant. Um, is there anything else that's serious when it gets to, like, they want to get rid of the 10-second backcourt rule, whatever? Am no, I... so, so, Jeremy, I think you might be looking at some – so, more recently, they actually went ahead with some of these. So, they've decided that they're going to go forward. So, on May 7th uh, – so, on Friday, they actually made re- recommendations okay. for, for which ones of these they wanted to go forth with. So, oh, let's go with that, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the this foul structure thing is in there, though. Uh, yeah. And so, and so is the flop technical. Now, the other ones that made it are the um, so using technology at the bench. Fine, which, do it. Yeah, it's like I don't. What's the argument against it? I guess that if not every school, so it's a so the the idea. No, here don't that, tell for, me if schools can't get a freaking tablet for a couple no, hundred bucks. Fair, but hold on, just one second. Just explain <laughs> to all the people who may not know it. Uh, so what? the technology rule here is the committee is proposing to allow the transmission of live statistics to the bench area for coaching purposes. Um, also, will support an experimental rule to allow teams to view live video and preloaded video on the bench during conference games only. Should the conference submit a waiver to a uh, experiment with the rule. Yeah, so this is where the the equality in like technology comes into po- play. Like, you don't want to say, yeah, everyone can do this, and What's then the password guess- at the pit, guys. Doctor Paul Weir, I need to <laughs> right. run my password. Well, exactly. Give me the good one. <laughs> hey, can you know if you're like Utah or Dixie State? I don't know. I'm trying to find a small school. Hey, hey I can't Dixie think of one. All the time. I was there. Recently? I know Dixie State. It's not there a small is- school. Their facility there for their swimming and stuff is top notch, so don't knock. I know, I know. I was trying to knock. I was there a month ago. It was awesome. But so you know, you're taking a a MIAC school, or hey, you're you're playing a division Uh, three school. Oh, well, I'm I'm dunking on the schools that generally seem to have the most issues with financial. Chicago State. Chicago State, go. fine. Yeah, Where is Chicago it's State? It's so let's say Chicago, it's like Chicago State, poor Chicago State. It's <laughs> a whack, by the way. Who, by the way, is trying to get into the MEAC now, <laughs> I've heard. Well, is no. Yeah, that's where they want to try to land. Anyway, um, so it, I think the idea is that a school, you don't want one school to be able to have all this technology at their fingertips and the other school can't have it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It seems fine. So... The, what Tad Boyle said here is every conference is probably at a different stage in their commitment to technology. Oh, so it's like, I don't know what that means, but I think this is one of those, like, I don't think, I have a feeling this one will go through. Technology is not going away. So I, think, I just want to see Roy Williams with a tablet. I, well, I'm well, bummed that we're never going to see that. Yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll be an assistant coach at UNLV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's where, oh that's where everybody else is going. <laughs> Okay, so the, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there's another rule, but if you wanted to talk about more about this, no, uh, I was gonna. I was one thing I thought of with the foul thing, like okay, it's yeah. it's convoluted. Obviously, why wouldn't this be a decent proposal? If you if you go to overtime, you get an ex, you get a sixth foul. Wouldn't that be more in line with like the? Foul I like permit? that. 
I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I wonder, though, the one question I have. If you're fouled out, you're done. You can't come back in. Okay. Well, there yeah. we go. That's the question. That was you already question. fouled out in the time allowed. So I knew that was coming. So I think okay. if, you, if you're eligible, here's the thing. You have to be eligible to be in the game. And, no, you can't bring all these guys in because that could force more fouling and more random stuff. But you have five fouls for 40 minutes. When you go to overtime, it's just six fouls. If you go to two, three, four, five, it's still only six fouls. You're not getting a seventh, eighth, or ninth. That'd be ridiculous. You know what? The only extra – how about this? Because it's only five minutes. It's not an extra eight minutes. Oh, geez. So all you get extra is an extra flop tech. <laughs> you get an extra flop tech. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you get one yeah. more thing of freedom there. No, so – I, I, I'm okay with that. I think, so when I said before, right, you know, I don't like rules that treat different portions of the game differently. Overtime is one where, is a section of the game where I'm willing to make some concessions in terms of, you know, I'm not trying to put a runner on second or anything, but, yeah, uh, no I, exactly. but I'm okay with the rules for overtime being slightly different than the rules for the rest of the regular game. It's dividing the pieces of the each half up into like oh the final two minutes i'm not a huge fan of that in general but for overtime yeah i'm i I don't have like a guttural hatred for adding a sixth foul in overtime for eligible play strategy because i think it slows the game down if you know a guy's gonna foul you like it makes it literally impossible for offense to make a play and so i think you should have that option of i'll take free throws over the ball like, but you're, but if you're down three, you're always going to take the ball. I don't. I, I get your point where it's different different types of game, but I mean, I only selfishly like that you have to shoot the free throws because it leads to a lot of crazy endings. So I don't yeah, have a be- I don't have a better reason to keep that rule right now off the top of my head. You're missing out. If you're down three, you get the buzzer beater to tie it. That's more exciting than two free throws, a foul oh, back and forth. Okay, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I was thinking of it from the other from the other side where the the team who is down is the one fouling, and the team who's up is like, nope, we're not going to shoot any of these, any of these free throws. <laughs> Screw that noise. We're just going to keep taking the ball out. One other uh, one I want to bring up I do love is the timeouts taken media, over media timeouts. That would yeah, be speed the game up quite a bit. I like that a lot. So I don't know. Yes, that's another new one here is that, yeah, exactly, that, that timeouts called at, like team timeouts called at a regularly scheduled media timeout time, they can just overlap, and you don't have to have two separate timeouts. Yeah, I'm 100% for that. It looks like if it's within two minutes, because here, quoted, on the proposal, coach calls a timeout at the 18-minute mark, he'll serve as the under 16. So I guess it's a two within two minutes, that will count? I'm guessing? That's not really clear. Because it also says if either team calls a timeout under the 16-minute mark, he'll serve as the under 12. So is that any timeout between the four minutes? That's kind of... Yeah, I think, they, I think so. I think they need to make that more clear. Like, they probably need to button that up a bit. Like, okay, well, I'm sure with, it'll be clear to the coaches. Like, is it? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, they can like, clear it up to the coach. I don't care if they clear it up with me. I think it's, if it's within <laughs> 90 seconds or if it happens to pass the time clearly, it should be the case. They hate it when it's, oh, we're at the immediate 14 minutes because there's no timeout, then a minute later or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's within there. Like where it's super close, where it's like one position. Oh, we're under twelve now after under sixteen because there's no foul, but for four minutes. Well, as long as they're not, you know, stacking up extra commercial breaks on it, um, you know, I'm I'm fine. Honestly, so the thought that I had when I saw this was, what I would like to see is that any I don't care. We can keep the regular those media timeouts as they were, but I want any team timeout 
I want the camera to stay on the court and I want to see the timeout and I want the play by play and the color people to explain the strategy. Like I want them, I want to watch those timeouts. I know it happens sometimes, but I want that to be like the rule, right? There are media timeouts and then there are non media timeouts at which point we don't go to commercial and we have to actually explain. Fox MLB where they put the commercial in the court on mute, essentially. Fine, do that. I don't care. that's fine too. I just think that it would be good. And there's timeouts are a good time to explain the game to viewers. Yeah, it's a really good time on. to do that. And to just use that as like a money making thing every time. Like, yeah, I mean, sure. I sound cynical and like anti-capitalist, whatever I am fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of the purity of the game, I, I care about that, I guess, more than the money aspect. I, the media timeout doesn't get me any money. It just makes me feel bored during the game. So I want to like, I want to see the timeout. I want to see the coaches yelling at their players, you know, or you know, drawing up the play. I want to see those interactions, and I want, I think that, that would be good. So I don't think it's necessarily like this. The meet the team timeouts can be media timeouts is fine. I think for me, just don't take. Just take fewer opportunities to go to commercial. <laughs> that's that's the thing for me. Don't treat every dead ball like, ooh, hey, we can slip in, you know, 30 seconds for the new quesarito. <laughs> hey, don't knock the quesarito. It's good. Well, I've heard, you know, other things. So maybe I need to see more commercials for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. 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 What it is, my 12, my 13-year-old loves to go Taco Bell every other day. And so I will get it occasionally, and I actually appreciate it. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I called out the quesarito. I keep, <laughs> I keep picking on things you like. I get your, no, I get your I'm point. Like, Dude, the Dixie State, the quesarito. <laughs> I get your point. We don't need this repetitive stuff. No, I get your point. Like, do we need another slow, progressive commercial? Or the AT and T girl doing whatever for their ads? Uh, no, I like. No, that's a good point. We're just chat about it, and here's what's going on, and then maybe do a quick live read or something like, hey, this time out's brought to you by something or whatever, and we'll get yeah. to the game right now. It takes them 10 seconds, and they get their ad, or they get to, the producer gets to check off the ad reads for that, for the 10-minute mark before they get their third Taco Bell endorsement in there or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's still ways to make money off of those timeouts. Have Yeah, exactly. This is, you know, 30-second timeout presented by the Baja Blast Freeze. Exactly. Or whatever. We're just, we're just turning it. I'm trying to talk about, about the sponsor. Hey, Eli. <laughs> what do you like? So, yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, so Nacho I. Nacho fries. Bring it back. Nacho fries. <laughs> so I have something to somewhat tag along with this that I think could kind of play into it nicely. And it's something that I've wanted for so long in every sport, which is a shot clock or just a clock or a timer on replay reviews. And I think that whether you want it to be 45 seconds or 60 seconds or 120 seconds, I don't, I don't really care so much. I just want there to be a predetermined time that treats every single video review. And I just, I can't wrap my head around when we see the very first glance of a replay review and within five seconds or three seconds we know immediately what the call will be and that replay review takes well over a minute or even two minutes and that is absurd to me and I feel like when you when we're talking about commercials and advertising revenue and things like that every time that there's a video review you can put 60 seconds on the clock have one of those cutaway commercials 
and you have 60 seconds of ad revenue for every time there's a replay review. And at this point, we know sure well that there are plenty of replay reviews in college basketball, so that's just another avenue to market and bring in advertising money. So I just wish that that would be implemented, a timer for reviews, because some are just so, so long. And I I mean, I, I remember during the season, there were some replay reviews that lasted upwards of five minutes, and it should not take... It it shouldn't it not only should it not take five minutes for a review, but when we talk about conclusive versus inconclusive evidence, if you don't know within sixty seconds whether whatever you're reviewing is true or not, then you should just stick with the original call and call it good. There there isn't a reason to go beyond say forty five or sixty seconds, and I think that in itself, if it's always timed, then you always know how much time is on the clock, and that can translate to a platform to again uh, represent the Quesarito or the Baja Blast or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to have in there. The, the referee review brought to you by Zebra Stripe Gum. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I've, I've got it planned out. And Oreos. I've got all of these, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Oreos, ex- exactly. Yeah, it shouldn't be like max, like three minutes max if there's some weird issue, but it shouldn't. Like you, the only time it's that tough, it's like it's the out of bounds play where it's, like what's reviewable? It's like, oh, is his toe on line? I'm like, his foot, his. Okay, it's the dumbest thing. It's where, which I hate because you can technically do a running three point shot and release the ball at the free throw line in midair. It's still a three pointer because you jumped at the three point line. Mm-hmm. I find that ridiculous and dumb. It's the same thing if your toes over the line. Like he's, it's like, okay, he catches the ball, his heels there, he shoots. You see the back and forth super slow mo. You zoom into where it's super pixelated. Where oh, did his toe touch over the line on the line? But it heels behind the line in air. It's like, come on. It's like, what are you doing? I do think <laughs> that we've gotten a little like as fans and consumers of the game. I feel like we've gotten a little entitled to a perfect product, you know. And it's like in, with all this instant replay, it's like. We've got to get these calls 100% right down to the pixel. You know, we, we need to know it's really that important. It's like, man, that was, it's always been a part of the game that things go your way and they don't. You know, it, it comes out in the wash. Most of the time, I don't think anybody's truly persecuted by the referees, right? Over, over a span of time. So I, I just, I agree that, yeah, we, it's okay if we don't take an hour to get the call right. Um, and we just have to say, look, it's too, it was bang, bang. It was too close to call. We're still not sure. Whatever. Just call it though. You know, yeah, I think we end up wasting a lot That's of time. Too, like when I do my stuff, like I know it's nowhere near, but like there's times where it just annoys me coaches. I'm like, dude, I'm, you're out of the game. I'm going to literally kick you out because. There's a time where it's like the corner out of bounds play. It's like they're both guys that are reaching for the ball and somebody pushes it out of bounds. What my honestly philosophy is, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably give it to the other team because if you're both going hard for it, it's most likely if it's that close, I'm going to turn the ball over and go the other way unless I could tell, for, like legitimately tell. If it's like that close, and then off camera, it's just my eyes running down the side of the pool to get there. But you know my point, like if they're diving for the ball, it's like if the defense offense go for it, it's close, it's like, just sometimes I'll just turn the ball over, go the other way, because both teams are going at it, because it goes back to what Eli said a while ago. You miss a shot, you make a bad play, that could, a bad pass, that's possibly and most likely why the ball is being errant out by the edge of the court or wherever you're going to be getting it. So if it's that close, just give the ball to the team that made the better effort. Mm-hmm. And then now, go from there, right? 
I yeah, I, I I agree. I think that judgment calls are a fine thing to be in the game, and I think that that should be one of the re- like. I, I I you know there's an idealist point of view here a little bit, but it would be great to have referees who were you know chosen because their judgment's really good, right? We're not just taking anybody off the street, but. We, we train people to have pretty good judgment in these situations. You know, we can trust them to get it right enough of the time that it doesn't matter. We don't need to ruin the game by trying to make sure every pixel is seen. Yep. So, yeah. Um, now, the last rule here, it kind of ties into this replays taking too long. And some, anyway, I'll get to my, my proposal here for something else here in a second. But the last rule that looks like it's getting tested out and gotten passed through this committee um, is to have the shot clock now show tenths of a second. The NBA so, does it. Why not? It's not hard. Yeah. It's like, so, okay. I Yeah. It seems fine. More information is always good. Um, if you want to talk about, like, certain schools might not have – I think the NCAA should fund this and just put – these shot clocks in every school. Yeah, and if it's a money thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't care who pays for the clocks. But my thing is, this made me start thinking about the shot clock in general and the rules about that. So here's my wild proposal for the shot clock. I guarantee, I think we're on the same page. I'll let you go, but I don't think it's wild if I'm thinking what you're thinking. Okay, well, I think that air balls should count towards the shot clock. <laughs> I'm not that far, but okay, sure. I have no... If if a field goal attempt is recorded by the statistician, a shot clock violation should not be able to occur. You shot the dang ball. That's the spirit <laughs> of the rule, is to not hold on to the ball and don't do anything with it. You tried to shoot, you just missed. And before we're like, well, you know, blah, 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 the statisticians, how do they know? They... They tell the difference between passes and, and air balls all day long. That's so part of their I, job. Like, when I do right. my stuff, when I step like, there's very few times I'm like, was that a sh-? And I don't, I'm not running the clock. We have some table doing it behind us. Like, there's very few times where it's usually it's a younger age where you can't tell if it's a shot or a pass. But that's fair. You could tell at this a this this particular level. Yeah, of if play, we're talking about the NCAA Division One, you yeah. can tell. But I, I do like that because why does it have to hit? the small c- cylinder part of the basket. Because you can tell if the guy goes up and tries to shoot it, like, oh, it's a shot, but it's really a pass under the hoop. Shot clock's at one. I'm just going to go up and kind of – seen, I've seen this very few times where a guy jumps up, hesitates, like it's a decent far shot, and he tries just to – this guy get rid of it, so it's like a line drive at the hoop. Like, yeah, you, that's one in a, one in a 10,000 times that's ever going to happen where, oh, maybe a shot or pass, can't tell. It's like if you can't tell, it's pro- it's – Probably a pass, I would say. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. can tell a shot. So I actually do like that. Like I don't see if you can tell if it's a shot. It's it's that's you're right. It's the point of the rule. It's why does it have to hit a cylinder? That's what ten by ten inch, like a ten inch uh, diameter yeah. or whatever. I'm fine with making that like a judgment call on the court with the you know with the referee. They can call whether or not it was a shot or not. And then if there wants to be a challenge, hey, go talk to the statistician and see what they put down. <laughs> There's your it, review. Yeah. You know. I and I, I think the other thing here, too, is kind of going back to my recent point. There are plenty of reviews that we see, and it seems like these happen at the end of the game as well, where there is a situation where a team is scrambling to come up with a possession and they fire up a shot 
and it's an air ball, but you can't exactly tell if it might have grazed the rim. And then you have to figure out, well, if it did graze the rim, then what does the clock look like? And if it <laughs> right. didn't graze the rim, is it a shot yeah, clock yeah. violation? It's all, it's a super lengthy review. And again, we don't really realize it at the time, but these replays last probably three to five minutes. And that in itself can kill the momentum of the game and it can really impact things. So uh, at first I, w- I was kind of confused as to, as to why that would be significant but now that I've thought about it it makes a lot of sense and I I can't really envision many scenarios where either a shot is so bad that you can't tell that it's a pass or a pass is so bad that it looks like a shot like that right. that like how many so rarely happens yeah hey yeah. guess what if you make a passage to the backboard or rim reset anyway you know what I mean whatever who cares right <laughs> yeah I mean they use that too yeah yeah, I don't know. Like, if if a guy throws up something that looks like an alley oop, but nobody goes up to catch it, then you know, yeah. hey, I that's a pass. I, then it's probably a pass. And again, I am trusting the referee and the st- statistician to get it right. You know, um, I think that they can figure that out. It's not that hard. <laughs> one one real yeah. quick shot clock that I like to add too. The NBA does it where. If it's out of bounds, you keep the ball, it goes down to like 14 seconds. That, do you, I think that's something that could make more offensive flow in the game too. So if you shoot the ball, it goes out of bounds, it, instead of getting a full 35, whatever, it goes to like 20 seconds. Does the NBA, yeah, I like that. Does the NCAA do that? Do they not do I the 20 seconds? I don't oh, think I thought, so. Do they? See, again, now I'm, now I'm getting all my rules confused. I thought that a foul... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say any more before, I'm sure. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it should happen. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. Re- no, my, my bad. This is, it did happen just last year, it looks like. So okay. this is in 2020. A, the panel approved expanding the rules so that most times the offensive retains possession of the ball for a throw-in in the front court. Shot clock will be reset to 20 or okay. the time remaining, whichever is greater. Okay. So, no, yeah. I, okay. But that's, I, but that's very uh, recent. But, that, but it is recent, and, you know, so you're forgiven for yeah. – Thank you. <laughs> Any other fun rules? Can we, I, I want to get to Jock, Rock and Jock, but we've gone like over an hour. Can we just get to 25-foot basket worth 25 points somewhere? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm also willing to make overtime into slam ball. If that's fine by <laughs> me, too. Um, I've got – I'm 100% serious when I say, you know, I think that overtime could be turned into something very cool. Um, that doesn't have to be the Elam ending necessarily. But, you know, I think – it would be fun, maybe. I don't think it's necessary. I think overtime in basketball is fine as it is, um, and I don't think it really needs fixing. Give the extra I, foul. That's all I'd say. Give everybody six. Sure, foul. that's that's fine. You know, if you give someone an extra time out, give them an extra foul too. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Fine. I'll you know concede to that point. Uh, yes. But, but I also I, think that you know those that proposed one-on-one you know penalty shot style thing. I that would be fun. I would love to see that. In some level of basketball, three on three, why not three on or three? three? Yeah, three go three on three for five minutes. Like NHL does that, you know. You got, uh, I think guy, it's yeah. four on four, right? In yeah. in overtime, and then yeah, and then you go to a penalty shootout if that doesn't work out. So here's here's my idea on this, uh, which again borrows plenty from soccer. I think you could go five minutes for an overtime period, and if you're still tied after that overtime period. Then I think you could play a series of just one-on-one matchups. And so you basically play to one 
based on your one-on-one matchup. So say, I mean, you take one team, you take uh, whatever, San Diego State, you take UNLV. Okay, first one-on-one matchup, you have, uh, you know, whoever guard against whoever guard, and then the first well, yeah, so let's one say- point ends a point. And, you know, and it's out of five, so then you, you're not going to end up with another tie. It's going to be three to two, four to one, or five zero. I think this is, I honestly think this would be really fun to see because you really start getting into this and you start thinking like, okay, you can have certain players who maybe can only go out for defense or only for <laughs> offense, right? So if, yeah. you're, if you're saying, you know, say you're Brian Dutcher, do you put Matt Mitchell on offense or defense? Hmm. You know, and you got to kind of think about it, but, you know, you have to submit your, I don't know. Who who knows how this would actually work? But, but could you imagine <laughs> like this, this past? <laughs> but like, could you imagine this past year's tournament? We could have had uh, Johnny Juzang, Jalen Suggs one on one to go to the national championship game. Like that is right. that's freaking amazing. That would be so much be, fun to watch. It's so high stakes, right? And just like you know, just like penalty kicks, if uh-huh. you you know keep scoring. You know, the other team gets a chance to match it, and you keep going until, you know, the other team can't match it or, you know, whatever, right? I think it would be, yeah, I think it would be really fun. I don't I don't want it at this level of the game necessarily, but now that you say that about, you know, Jalen Suggs and Johnny Juzang, I'm like, ah, oh, I really yeah. do want that at this level of the game. Yeah. So, I, I have one know. last idea before we wrap it up because we've gone way too right. long. So it's been fun and crazy, just weird off-season stuff. Okay, overtime. Yeah, you tied. Okay. I like the one-on-one option. Why don't we just do sudden death after that? First yeah. one wins. Golden goal, like soccer. You want more soccer stuff? Ooh, first, bucket, yeah. first bucket wins. <laughs> I honestly, yeah. so this used to be a thing. So when we would play basketball, like, you know, with, with friends or with my family or whatever, that would be a thing that, you know, that's how we would do overtimes is, you know, okay, next point wins. Right? So that's, I'm fine with that or too. First, or first to three, so it's not. A, it can't be a two point shot. Yeah, sure. So That's it's fine. not Elon and Eli, but it's something a little unique and weird. Yeah, no, I I like that. I like that. That'd be cool. No, I'm I'm all for the Eli ending, not the Elon. <laughs> yes. Oh man, going straight to get that, uh, get that hashtag going, Jeremy. That's right. <laughs> we got Eli ending now. We have the road bows that was actually put in the official New Mexico Lobo media guy, despite the guy spelling Matt Kennerly's name wrong completely. We still uh, got the hashtag road bows going on last year. Oh, we got that, but I, I think we're good. We've done seriously ninety, almost ninety minutes. Why not? It's the off season. Who cares? An important ninety minutes. Exactly. <laughs> we talked some TV. We got our food takes in there. We got a BPI <laughs> joke in. We had some fun with random rules and going through it. So it's weird. This stuff is fun. I actually sometimes like this stuff more than the games because it's there's no right or wrong answer technically. Like if I want to do extra foul in overtime, that's what I, my opinion would be. If I wanted to allow a like, <laughs> golden goal, golden bucket after whatever, you, yes. you want to do the uh, any shots or reset, which is fair. The We're golden here. bucket brought to you by Golden Corral. It's oh. right there. Oh, yeah. boo. Got it. Come on. <laughs> oh, golden Corral's the worst. It is. <laughs> but but they, pay, they pay for advertising dollars just like everybody else. I guess the money <laughs> spends the same, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right, I, I think we're good here. We're ending on our final weird food take. But all right, so we, for, as for me and Amy for basketball, we'll see when we're back. We're just kind of seeing what's out there for news and whatnot. We've been sitting on this for like two months. Like, we can wait till later. We can wait till later. So hang out for our feed. We have this show coming up. 
We have me and Matt Carnley doing all of our football previews coming up, so that'll be probably overtaken to feed during the summer. Me and Andy may be back, NBA draft with Nemus Kata, talking some stuff like that possibly. Um, who knows? Eli, check out stuff that he checks CBB and not his regular Twitter account apparently. Check out <laughs> <No>. the other <laughs> Well, actually, now I've got Eli and Dean going on, so I have to promote just yeah. the heck out of that. So we're we're coming back now. Back right. to the Eli account is back. Okay, well, we'll I'll, I'll do a hashtag in a moment here before we're done. So <laughs> here's what I'll do. This show technically we're recording May 12th. I'm actually not going to post it till Sunday because that's our typical schedule, and we're not doing another football show this week. So this will be weird when you see. Uh, this will be posted May 16th, but you'll be wondering why the MWC Wire account has a Hashtag Eli ending and tagging Betker on Twitter. <laughs> so it'll be a fun secret to know. And once you listen, you'll have to figure it out. So we'll do this. We're at the end of the show. It's super long. I, reply to that tweet. I will pin it to our account because why not? If you listen to it, just put you listen. Say thanks for whatever. Just reply that you listened to the very end because that's what we're doing today. Because it's the off season for everything. It's summertime, just about so. We'll be back next time. Subscribe wherever you get the podcast, mwire.com, where you can find all of our random stuff. And yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll see you down the road. And again, hashtag Eli ending. <laughs>